This is exactly right. My favorite murder. The mini-sode. Hi. Hi, it's fast. It's emails. It's everything you like. <laughs> uh, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, I can go first. Okay. The, the subject line of this email is former demon child. Oh. Dear Karen and Georgia, after listening to today's mini-sode, wherein a small child made a deal with a demon and scared the ever-living fuck out of her mom's co-worker by predicting her mysterious illness, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's my great pleasure to inform you of my status as a former demon child, or at least a child who might have made a deal with a demon. When I was nearly three, my family moved into a new house. It was a small bungalow on a tree-lined street in a suburb of Detroit. Some real Norman Rockwell shit. Everything was lovely for the first few months until the weird noises started. At night, my parents would hear my brother and I running around in the second floor bedroom we shared. They would come upstairs to put us back to bed only to discover that we were sound asleep. Mm-mm. On other nights, they would hear the toilet lid slam shut and hear the flush. But again, when they came to check on us, we had definitely not been out of bed. They wrote it all off as parental exhaustion until the day I declared that there was a quote-unquote mean angel in my room. A mean angel is the definition of a demon, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's almost like a small child's euphemism for a demon. Oh, wow. Okay. A mean angel. Mm -hmm. My mom called me downstairs for lunch and I replied, I can't, she won't let me. (laughs) Properly freaked, my mom ran up the stairs to see who she was, but there was no one there except me, her toddler daughter, who was pointing toward the staircase saying, she doesn't want me to leave. She's so mean. Over the next year, I kept seeing this mean angel, who I said was a young girl named Angie. She wore a white dress and bullied me ruthlessly, and I was the only one who could see her. Mm. Worried that her kid was having some sort of psychiatric break, my parents consulted the next-door neighbor for advice. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Yep. Take those serious problems right where they belong, (laughs) next door. My dad began to tell her that he thought I had an imaginary friend. But before he could begin describing Angie to her, she stopped him. Is she seeing a little girl who's not much older than her? No. She asked. Uh-huh. My parents were baffled. The neighbor asked why I called her an angel, and my dad told her it was probably because of the white dress she was wearing. All the neighbor said was, oh no, that's so sad. As it turns out, The family who lived in the house before us had a daughter who had run out into the street in her nightgown and been hit by a car. She didn't survive. My parents bought a different house in the same neighborhood soon after that, and I haven't seen a ghost since. I remember all of this vividly even 30 years later. I live in Boston now, but our old house is currently for rent, and I'm tempted to fly back to Michigan for a showing just to see if that upstairs bedroom is still haunted. I hope it isn't. That little girl deserves peace. Mm. Stay sexy and make nice with the ghost children. Megan, she, her. Wow. Mm-hmm. How about it? Also, a recent ghost. Like, Oh, yeah. That's very, very tragic and intense. Yeah, old-timey ghosts, fine. Recent. Oof. So sad. 
also recent child. Like, yes, it's everything about that, Megan. That's very intense. Well, I have a similarly sad one with an uplifting. Okay, here we go. All right. It just starts murder and co. Mm. (laughs) I've been waiting for the right time to send in this story. And since you asked for glitches in the matrix, I figured now it'd be good. So fucking hooray. When I was 12, my mom married into a family with a tight-knit network of cousins. My mom's husband was particularly close to his Aunt Dana and Uncle Barry and their three children, including the only girl in the entire mix, Tina. And by the way, they said that the names are changed for privacy. Oh, good. Dana, Barry, and their kids lived in a bucolic hamlet nestled amongst a dense thicket of trees in northern Texas. This person writes poetry, clearly. Mm. And the only sign of contemporary life amongst the forest was miles and miles of cargo train rails that had been without a crossbuck for decades. Ooh, that's especially haunting. Right? That's like base. What's a crossbuck? Is that abandoned train tracks? I have no idea what a crossbuck is, but the idea of abandoned train tracks, I think, is through a forest. Oh, yeah. Is, I mean, please. Well, so on one week before her high school graduation, Tina got into her car and started her route to school, which included crossing the train tracks. But the lack of crossbuck and the dense forest made her unaware of the incoming train. <gasps> they weren't abandoned. No, a crossbuck must be like a train is coming or like stop. Yeah, the arm that comes down and the lights and everything. Yeah. Her car was struck at full velocity, killing her almost instantly. At her funeral, Dana and Barry gave 30 of her closest friends a rose, symbolically adopting them as their daughters, using the gesture as a floral tonic to manage their immeasurable grief. Over the years, they kept in touch with all of them except for one. Tina died a few years before my mom married into the family. I was an athlete and played piano, and Tina was an athlete and played piano. And as such, Dana and Barry took a liking to me, so we would visit them often. One morning while we were visiting, Dana was telling me the story of the, quote, adopted daughters and the one they couldn't track down. She showed me the memory book they had made with all the girls' names and the, quote, daughter with whom they'd lost touch had been circled. I read the name out loud, Jesse Polney, I looked at Dana and said, that's my athletic trainer. No. Dana was mixing pancake batter and dropped the bowl. What does she look like? I described her. Dana's eyes welled up with tears and she said, that's her. We've been trying to track her down for years. Dana and Barry lived five hours away from us, and I grew up in a city with hundreds of high schools. The odds of Jesse and me intersecting were impossibly slim. Dana wrote Jessie a note, which I delivered when I returned to school. Her stunned look when I handed over the envelope is branded into my brain. She called them soon after. Finally, after years of wondering where she had gone, all of their, quote, adopted daughters were accounted for thanks to this deeply improbable glitch and to forever grieving parents were able to feel, if even for a minute, the closeness of the daughter they tragically lost. There are tons of other stories like this concerning Tina, and I will leave you with my favorite. As I mentioned, Tina played piano, which sat mostly unplayed after she died. One summer, when Dana and Barry returned home from vacation, their lawn keeper told them he thought someone had broken into their house, but there was no indication that was the case. When they pressed him, he said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but someone was playing piano. They asked him which song, and he said he knew the melody but didn't know the name. They brought him inside and put on Claire de Lune. His eyes widened, and he said, this is it. 
Dana said, don't worry. That was just Tina. It was her favorite. Ugh. In theory, I don't believe in supernatural occurrences or intervention, but the happenings surrounding Tina disrupt the intellectual metric repeatedly and remind me that following the emotional evidence connects the disconnected. Thank you for being a light in dark places. Stay sexy and always stop at train crossings are... I mean... Intense. Layer upon layer. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That is a that is an unbelievable, like, it's not a coincidence. Right. That's kismet totally. in a way. Totally. It's unbelievable. I'm obsessed with wow. these kismet stories. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. Yeah. Because also it does make you feel like there's more going on. Yeah. Than just what our kind of cynical, you know, like, injured by life outlooks tell right, us or right. or make us want to believe where it's like, all right, you can tell yourself yeah. that. You know, there's an interconnectedness to it all and that is better than nothing. Yeah. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines and June's journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Well, then let's just transition right out of a deep and meaningful email (laughs) to how my mom ran me over with a pickup truck. (laughs) (laughs) And then here's truly 
my favorite opening maybe of an email so far. Listen up, tens of five is speaking. <laughs> oh, wow. That is one to beat. That is the one to beat. <laughs> they just took the classic. They reversed it. Oh. It's a compliment. It's a... It's comedy. It's uh, everything you want. Oh, that's going to that's gonna stay with me. <laughs> okay. Recently, we've heard a few stories about kids jumping out of cars because of neglectful parents. <laughs> Finally, my time to shine. <laughs> I grew up in a small city on the East Coast of Canada with a single mom doing her best. However, my mom, having a pretty bad case of undiagnosed anxiety, was never able to successfully get her driver's license. Mm-hmm. She would get her learner's permit over and over, but could never get the courage to make it to the actual driving test. One day when I was six, we went out for a drive to a very rural, small town in my stepdad of the month's pickup. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? You're so clever. I can't even handle it. (laughs) And also just that idea. It's like, that's part of the mom's anxiety. She's like, yeah, okay, you. No, 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 not you, 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 you. you. Uh, Hold on a second. I'll marry you. The whole thing just paints this perfect picture. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. He had to visit a friend for a few minutes, so he left us in the truck to wait. And then in parentheses, it says, me in the middle seat with my legs around the gear shifter thingy and my mom in the passenger seat. However, my stepdad had left the truck parked on a slight hill with a very busy two-lane highway passing directly behind us. He had also not put on the emergency brake. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, the truck began to reverse in the direction of said highway. My mom, panicking and not knowing what to do, thinking we were about to be shot into oncoming traffic, suddenly yanked the door open, jumped out of the truck, looked at me, and yelled, jump. (laughs) Thanks, mom. Yeah. Me, being six, tried to to do as she says. However, I have to cross over two seats to jump out. My feet get caught in the gear shift, and I stumble through the door, landing, all caps, underneath the front tire of the truck, which proceeds to run me over. Oh. Yeah. Fortunately, I'm not too hurt as the truck had only gone over my legs and we both turned just in time to see the truck gently turn into the ditch, not going anywhere near the highway. Motherfucking truck. That fucking truck. Cue the tears and screams. (laughs) We then drove to the nearest ER, which was 45 minutes away, and waited hours before being seen as staff had me brush out rocks from my legs with a metal comb. The doctor said I was very lucky the truck had not gone over my abdomen and internal organs. Seeing the opportunity, I took this exact moment to blurt out through tears, I want a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Clever. Always clever, this person. (laughs) So smart. So smart. That's right. This was also the day I got my first puppy, a miniature schnauzer named Pepper. (laughs) Oh, my God. My mom finally got her license at 52 years old, and I was so proud of her. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) So cute. After years of people teasing her and feeling self-conscious, she finally got over that shit, passed her test, and bought herself a Mini Cooper convertible like a badass boomer. Yeah. Stay sexy and use your e-brake. Steph Myers, she, her, you can say my full name. (laughs) And then it says, Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. All right. Wow. Steph. Epic. So good. So good. Effortlessly wonderful. Mm. Do you want me to tell you a story about what I witnessed my cousin Dina get run over by a truck? Of course. Very similar. Very similar to this. We were all standing in front of 
it was we were at the Demos house who are family friends, mm-hmm. but we called everybody aunt, uncle, and cousins. Mm-hmm. And it was like four different families. It was some holiday, say it was like Mother's Day or something like that. It had recently rained and their driveway was a circular driveway of dirt with gravel. Mm-hmm. One of our family friends, Woody Painter, had a really old, like, like a Peterson truck or something mm-hmm. like that that was like a real old flatbed. And it was slightly uphill from like the front door of the house where we were all standing on the front porch. Something happened. The truck kicked into gear, rolled forward. Dina was standing in the driveway. It hit her. Mm. She fell down. It rolled over her. Everyone stood like, everyone like did exactly what you just did Mm -hmm. and did the gasp. It rolled over her like abdomen, both front and back tires. Oh my God. And and rolled away like into a tree. And then she popped up out of the mud, like covered in mud. And all it did was push her yeah. down into the mud. Oh. And she she popped up and she goes, I'm okay. Oh my God. If it hadn't been muddy, she would have probably been really hurt. Yes. Holy and instead shit. it was just like, Everybody was traumatized by yeah. watching it. Yeah. And then it was like the funniest, craziest thing where she was like, nobody worry, <laughs> nobody worry about me. I'm fine. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to read this. Subject, Georgia, Karen, and all other humans and animals. I discovered all? your- <laughs> Every single one? I guess so. Okay. All right. All right. Might as well say hi now that you have the mic. <laughs> right. I discovered your podcast during the COVID shutdown. My sister had previously recommended it, but since I typically ignore her recommendations, it took me three years to start listening. (laughs) Apparently, this is the one time when she was right and I was wrong. But I binge, I'm working to get all caught up, and I joined the fan cult last summer, something she hasn't done. (laughs) Because you requested badass grandma stories, I wanted to share some about my grandmother, Thelma, my mom's mother, we all called her Grammy. My grandmother's name was Thelma, and I called her Grammy. Isn't that crazy? Oh, wow. Yeah. Whoa. Thelma. It's hap- now it's happening outside of the emails. Oh, now yeah. Now it's happening about the emails. <laughs> That's right. What's oh, wait. Happening? Or did I write this? I don't know. Oh, uh, wait. Oh, you forgot that oh, you wrote yourself. My story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Born in 1900 in Lynn, Indiana, Grammy was married in 1923, but lived on her own after my grandpa died in 1969, eventually going into an assisted living facility when she was 90. Grandma was always prim and proper. One time when my dad said shit in front of her, her response was to say, I wouldn't hold in my hand what you just had in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says prim and proper. Yeah. But it wasn't until I had moved out of state and started visiting her during trips back home that Grammy started telling me stories about her life, which I had never heard. The most jaw-dropping story was when she casually mentioned to me that she had taught Sunday school to Jim Jones when he was a kid. Oh, whoa. Jim Jones is in Guyana. Cult, Kool-Aid, mass suicide. Mm-hmm. What the actual fuck? I was flabbergasted. All I could think to ask was, so what kind of student was he? And do you think you played a part in his religious ideas? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> it's like, you have something to do with the Jim Jones origin story. That's yeah. pretty intense. What's up, formative years? She said he was a nice boy, a good student, and always listened well. And no, she didn't think she had turned him to the dark side. No, that was meth or speed. Right. That, that's actually how it, how it happened. That was megalomania and meth. 
terrible combo. Mm -hmm. Years later, I started to doubt myself. Like, did I really hear that? So I researched his background and also pumped my mom for information. Turns out it's true. My Grammy died in 1999 at the age of 99. And I miss her still. She was an amazing woman, more amazing than I ever knew growing up. I truly, truly wish I had asked her more when I had the chance. Anyway, this email's getting long, so I'll just close with this. Stay sexy. And of course, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Mary. <laughs> Mary. Wait, Georgia, didn't your grandma die like at a very yeah, old she, age? Didn't she make it? 104, yeah. Thelma. Oh my God. So both Thelmas. Name your kid Thelma if you want them to have a long life. Yeah, that's amazing, <laughs> amazing story. <laughs> Don't drink the Kool-Aid. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Okay. The subject line of this is walking into a random place. You didn't ask for it. So here it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a librarian. And then a parenthesis, it says, I can write stories of interesting patrons and library ghosts oh, later. Yes, do it. Please, librarians. Yes. Please, librarians. Yes. We beg, we beg of you. We know you're there. Yeah. We know you're listening. Yeah. Tell us everything. Yes. Please, librarians. <laughs> okay. And in closing, please. Please, librarians. <laughs> I'm a librarian, and me and a bunch of other librarians were in Vicksburg, <laughs> MS, Mississippi. Yeah. Shit. For a conference. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> there was a big scholarship fundraiser bash happening in the Southern Cultural Heritage Foundation buildings where the Soggy Bottom Boys <gasps> performed in Oh Brother, Where Art yeah, Thou? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right? The most classic, <sighs> like, uh, gathering hall. Town hall type of place. Town hall. Oh, Amazing. movie is so good. Okay. So good. Okay, we thought this was cool, and we had a little get-together pre-game <laughs> pre drink, and then in parentheses, multiple drinks, <laughs> in the courtyard before the bash. Well, me and another librarian, let's call her Barb, get adventurous when we're drinking. Mm -hmm. So we decided to explore the surrounding buildings before the bash. So we're climbing stairs and going into rooms, and then we hear the music. Oh no, the bash. We're 100% drunk and 100% lost <laughs> in this compound of buildings. So we do what any person would do, follow the music. And it brings us down a fire escape, through a loading dock, mm -hmm. into the kitchen, past the caterers, out a door, and this is all caps, onto the stage where the DJ is playing. 
Oh, no. <laughs> so two drunk-ass librarians stumble out onto the stage, oh. pause for a moment, hum a few bars from the Soggy Bottom Boys, I am a man of constant sorrow, and then continue off the stage. That's it. Stay sexy and follow the music. Jess, she, her. Oh, no. Follow the music slowly, I think, is the— Don't burst through doors, maybe. The thing, that truly— I think it happened to me, but I just kind of can't put my finger on when or where. But the idea of thinking you're going into the back of a room Mm. and coming into the front of a room is my, like, lifelong fear. (sighs) And it's too late to turn back. Like, when you're trying to be subtle and instead you are the most obvious person in the room kind of a thing— and drunk. And drunk. As, well, it wouldn't probably happen said. if you weren't drunk is the, is the key to that story. That's true. They're very connected, those two <laughs> elements of the story. Great one, Jess. Yeah, so good. Okay, happy ending. My baby survived because of a noise in an episode. Okay, this one's crazy and kind of long. Okay. Hello, Karen and Georgia. I've been meaning to write this email for a couple of years now, but I always end up giving up as I can't find the right words to describe my feelings. I guess there just are no words. Mm. I've been listening to My Favorite Murder forever. I listened to it through my pregnancies, hours of breastfeeding, and throughout my early mommy days when nights were long and lonely. It was one of these nights that you changed my life forever or, to be more accurate, kept it from changing. I don't remember what the episode was, and I regret not having written it down later. But as I was listening to you gals talk, I heard a noise coming from my kid's bedroom. I paused the podcast and went to check on them, sure that my two-year-old had woken up. He was fast asleep, so I checked on my 10-month-old baby and found him wrapped in a blanket. As I unwrapped his little face, my heart sank with horror that my worst nightmare was happening. I can't honestly say I remember what happened, but I remember running with him to the hospital a couple blocks away. I remember vaguely knowing he was still breathing. He was in the ICU for three days and had a heart arrest, but he is one hell of a fighter and he pulled through completely unscathed. He made an amazing recovery and looking at him today, you would never know anything ever happened. He is a bright, energetic, amazing kiddo. The only side effect of what happened is in me and my husband, how we still sometimes suddenly feel that dread all over again. And I think we'll never get over how fragile existence is and that we were so close to losing him that night. Mm. After that, I stopped listening to podcasts for a few months, but eventually I resumed. I'm one of those assholes that listen to every episode. So I also was making my way in reverse. <laughs> hey, easy, easy, easy. You're fine. <laughs> I think that's how podcasts, A, work. And B, you're, you're helping us out. We appreciate you. Yeah, we actually like it when you listen yeah. to every episode. <laughs> so I was listening to the one, one of the ones I had missed. One day, I hit play, and the episode started from the middle, picking up right back from the second I had paused it before. I was confused, so I rewinded 15 seconds a few times to understand the context, and I heard you both chat happily about something, then a noise. You both stopped talking and listened in silence, and then made some joke about Karen having a ghost in her house. Oh, the, that was the jar that fell on the ground. Yes, the clanking and the, it sounded like yeah. a bell. I yeah. broke down crying. The noise was a ghost in Karen's house. The noise I thought I heard in my kid's bedroom was inside the podcast. The noise that prompted me to go check on my kids and find my baby barely breathing just in time to free him and save his little life. <laughs> no. 
Remember we were like, why did that not, what was that? Why'd that happen? A bowl oh, just jumped off of your counter and clanged yes. it. Yes. Holy shit. Are that, you serious? Uh-huh. That, that noise never happened in my kid's bedroom. Had I not been listening to that episode at that time, late at night when everything was quiet, I would have never heard any noise coming from their rooms since suffocating babies can't cry. Fuck. Uh-huh. I think a lot about if this was all a coincidence or something more, and I try not to get into an internal loop of what ifs. I have a really hard time accepting it could have just been different, both that I could have been more strict about sleep safety and none of this would have ever happened, as well as the other scenario. So I want to say thank you to you and the ghost that even if inadvertently saved our lives. And if you happen to read this on air, to use this moment to reinforce how important it is that babies sleep in a completely empty crib. Oh. And that's true too about the um, the bunting. What's it called? The like little barriers? I was just reading about it. I don't have kids. <laughs> I just read about shit like that. Even when you think they are big and strong enough to have a blanket, it's better to wait a few more months. Thank you both forever. And then no name. Holy fucking shit. You have got to be kidding. I know. Can I just tell you that I thought the way that story reads. Yeah. I thought she kind of missed the moment of telling why we had anything to do with it. Like I thought she was just like, and then I got, I thought I heard something. So I got up and whatever, where I was like, well, that's uh, what's happening. Like, that's not a very good story. (laughs) And then it's so funny. Like, because there was no reason. Yeah. That thing that fell down, I wish I could remember, because it, it was, was a bowl. made of glass. It was a bowl. It was a bowl. It, right. It was a Pyrex bowl. Yes. That ordinarily, and I've had lots of them because I try to reduce my plastic footprint. <laughs> um, those things drop from the counter height and they crash into a million pieces. Yes. This hit the ground and then gave a, a ringing noise yes. that was so strange. It sounded like an old bell. We both stopped and said, well, did that come from your house? What was that? And you got yes. up and walked out there and Stephen and I were holding our breaths while we waited to see if you were dead. <laughs> I was like, bye. And then it was like, for no reason, this thing that was not on the edge of the counter, no. like it was in the middle of the counter, fell off. I mean, this is nuts. Yep. This is the craziest story. Yep. I am so excited to be a part of it. And yep. I am so thrilled that that baby is 100%. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Ugh. And then months later, she pressed play and realized it wasn't even, oh my God. Yeah. Nuts. Epic. Also, seriously, like I, props to people who choose to be parents because oh. that kind of shit, I would have one of those and be like, anyway, you need to take this back. I don't know. <laughs> I can't do it. That's horrifying. I know. I know. Oh, that was the last so one. Stupid. Oh, I'm so glad we ended on that. Yeah, that was, that was amazing. <laughs> oh, oh. You guys, write us your stories, whatever the fuck you want them to be, whether we ask them or not, uh, especially coincidences that are huge and crazy. I fucking, yes. we love them. Coincidences that prove there's no such thing as coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also stay sexy. Oh, and don't get murdered. <laughs> oh, Goodbye. Bye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs> This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Hannah Kyle Crichton. Our producer is Alejandra Keck. 
This episode was engineered and mixed by Stephen Ray Morris. Our researchers are Gemma Harris and Haley Gray. Email your hometowns and fucking hoorays to myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and Twitter at myfavemurder. Listen, follow, and leave us a review on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can listen to new episodes one week early on Amazon Music or early and ad-free by subscribing to Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Goodbye. Follow My Favorite Murder on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase My Favorite Murder merch.